Welcome to the Thriving in Chaos Project, the podcast that is designed to inspire you to truly live your very best life, all while living your life's transitions. Divorce coach, mediator, and host, Paulette, alongside host and divorce attorney, Sonia, help women leave behind the turmoil, confusion, and chaos of relationships and divorce. Together, they are discussing the topics that none of us talk about but really want to and introduce you to experts in their fields of relationships, marriage, parenting, mind-body wellness, career, business, finance, healing, and transformation. Each podcast episode focuses on sharing real conversations from real-life situations. Isn't it time you thrived? Join. Let's go. Thrive in the chaos. Welcome to Thriving in Chaos, the podcast. How timely, because you know, life lately has been chaotic. And when I named this podcast Thriving in Chaos, I did so with a partner. And we collaborated about a year and a half ago, bringing wellness and divorce together for women to have a platform and a sacred safe space for them to really come together, have resources, expert curated opinions and advice from women who really know their stuff. And today is no exception. But before I do that, the podcast as of next week, as of tomorrow, will be rebranded as the Thriving in Chaos Project. And I'm collaborating with no other than Esquire, Sonia Keralt of Divorceify. We are bringing forces and teaming up to really double and triple our mutually compatible mission to bring together and talk about the topics that so few people want to talk about. So wait and see what's going ahead. It's going to be exciting. But today, with no further ado, I bring to you an expert in identity theft protection, because unfortunately, it's life's newest necessity, particularly with everybody being at home and everybody being online. I bring to you together with her business, Identitron, because identity theft is so dominant and it's really scary. So welcome to the show, Dana. Thank you. Thank you very much. We met on LinkedIn as so many people do now, which I love, but I adore her. My goodness, your business and your expertise is second to none and your sense of humor, my God, I love the way you educate and organize your thoughts and just bring it all together so that you can make it identifiable because you know what? Identity theft is a scary topic. Like people don't really want to talk about it. And women don't even like talking about money unless you're a financial planner or you know somebody that digs that stuff. But I would say the majority of women think that money is a drag. It's just something that should be there and it should be safe and it should be secure. But who wants to talk about it? But let's shift gears a little bit. So tell us a little bit about your business, what you do, and why people should listen to this podcast. Okay. Well, 
basically what I wanted to do was come up with a product that people could use to monitor their credit and um, have an insurance policy if they do become a victim and scan the dark web, do all that kind of stuff, just kind of like, you know, like a big babysitter of, of our identity. So we came out with that. And then when we were launching it, I realized that there really needs to be a lot more education in this world because the identity theft protection industry is still really in its infancy. Unfortunately, it's only going to get a lot worse. So um, I thought, well, maybe I could do, you know, some little videos and break one concept down per video and really make sure that it's something that doesn't get too technical because I know me, as soon as it gets too technical, it just goes right over my head and then I just kind of shut it out and don't even pay any attention to it. And it's also not a very fun topic, identity theft. So I figured if I could somehow add a little humor into it, then maybe people would pay attention and focus on what the actual, you know, thing I was trying to teach them and how they could help protect themselves. So that's how the ball got rolling with all this. Well, it's really entertaining. And I have to say, when we first met, you weren't doing this that I remember. I mean, maybe you dabbled in it, but ever since, I mean, I could not stop watching you. You literally <laughs> need a reality TV show. You're freaking hysterical. Not only are you gorgeous and smart, but you're funny and you really know your stuff. So could you break down a little bit about maybe the um, the most important things for women who are, you know, much like the woman who typically lets the husband pay the bills, knows the finances, you know, kind of trusts the process, and all of a sudden she's facing divorce or the aftermath of, I'm now de de dependent on me because mm -hmm. I got to know my stuff. I've got to really be protected. And social security numbers are just the beginning of it. So what do women need to know? Well, I, that, that scenario is very, very common where, you know, women are taking care of the kids and the husband's taking care of the bills. And then all of a sudden now you're getting a divorce. And of course, now the woman's like, well, wait, now I need to know what all this stuff is. And that may be a time when the man does or does not want to be so helpful with sharing all that stuff. And um, I also say that this is a good product for people that are going through a divorce because when, you know, things get rough when you're going through that divorce and, you know, things can also get a little bit not so good when it comes to maybe somebody using somebody else's social security number, assumed to be X, because they, they probably definitely know it. And then, you know, you're not going to find out about it until um, down the road, especially if the loan's taken out or the credit card's taken out or whatever it is, and they're having it mailed you know, the statement mailed somewhere else, the only time you're ever going to find out is the next time you go to run your credit and you actually look at every single account and you might not even know that. So you might only find out when maybe they default on something. And then that's not good. That's a terrible time to find out, you know, that somebody's taken out um, a loan or something in your name. So I think women, you know, need to really keep that in mind when they are starting to put the pieces together of whatever their financial estate is when they're going through a divorce. And then even afterwards too, because making sure that moving forward, that you know they're gonna make sure that their financial security is gonna be safe and that there isn't gonna be an opportunity for someone to go and you know access their account or anything. So do you find that the, whoa, that was a little interesting. I can edit that. Do, do you find that the social security number is the place where the, um, the misbehavior begins. Like, how, how do you know that maybe something's up with your identity? Well, you really, you, you really wouldn't know something was up unless you were, most people find out that they're a victim of identity theft when they're maybe buying a car or they're buying a home or they're trying to get a loan and they, you know, the loan officer or whoever is running their credit. And then that's when, you know, some big hot mess gets uncovered that somebody else has taken a loan out for $40,000 and they defaulted on it or whatever. And um, that's the unfortunate part. So that's what's nice about when you have the credit monitoring is that if somebody does take a loan out and it, the 
um, vendors going through one of the big three credit bureaus, you're going to get alerted. And if it's you that's that's taking a loan out, that's no problem. You just click, yes, that's me. And if it's not, it's going to say, go into your dashboard and check out what's happening because someone is using your social security number. So and that's just a nice little um, safety net to know that. And then the insurance policy is nice too, because if you are a victim, you know that you're going to get your money back. And that's an important thing. And if you don't have protection, then there's no guarantee that you would be able to get your money back. Right. Mm -hmm. but what's the typical course of action if you perhaps find out that your credit is being destroyed or your identity is being uh, stolen? Well, you can do a lot of this stuff on your own if you didn't just if you didn't want to go you know purchase a plan or anything like that. Um, you, first thing you should do is contact the um, FTC. There's a place where you can go and report identity crimes, and also contact the big three credit bureaus and um, tell them that listen, I'm a victim of identity theft right now. Freeze my credit, so that way you'll make sure that no nothing else will be taken out um, at that time, and then you can start to maybe dig in to find out who you know, who it is, if it's someone you know, or if it's someone you don't know, or, you know, how did it even start and, you know, put the pieces together that way. And but freezing the credit is the best way to start. Freezing your credit. And yeah. That means that nobody, you can't use it, but no one else can either. Right. Mm -hmm. Do you have to go to court or get an attorney? This all depends upon um, each circumstance being completely different. It depends how far down the pipeline, you know, things go um, and how far you want to dig. A lot of people, a lot of people are embarrassed when it happens to them and they don't even try to fight it. They just shake it off and just move on and they don't even tell anybody that it happened, especially the older people. We, we find that's a lot and it's really sad because they're a big victim too. But another thing that's also a big target is kids. So I suggest that everybody, whether you buy a plan, don't buy a plan, freeze your kids' credit. And that you have to do, you have to mail in some paperwork. You can freeze adults' credits right online. But for kids, if you go, um, I have an article I could either send it to you or you can just Google freeze your kids' credits and it'll, it'll kind of show you how each credit bureau does it. You got to mail some stuff into them. So that's a big news flash. Wait, so that's a big news flash to me. Wait, your kids have credit? Well, what happens is an identity thief will take a child's social security number and they will apply for a credit card with a fake name and a fake date of birth. So it will go off to the credit card company. The credit card company will contact the credit bureau and the credit bureau will say, we don't have any correlation or anything, any history with this name, this social security number and this date of birth. So the credit card company will probably deny it. So then the identity thief waits a little bit more and they go and they apply for another credit card and it goes to the credit card company, goes off to the credit bureau and the credit bureau will say, we don't have any credit history, but we do see that a credit file was started before for this information together. So the credit card company will say, well, we'll give you a small maximum, a $300 a month maximum on your credit card. And boom, off to the races. That social security number is now associated with that fake name and that fake date of birth. And this can go on for years without anybody even knowing and then maybe when the poor kid turns 18 and is trying to get a college loan, that's when the mess gets uncovered. Mm. So it starts when you go and you know you bring the baby home from the hospital and that you have how many months before you have to get your social security number for your baby? I think it's before the tax returns because you can't yeah, claim them on your taxes if they don't have a uh, social security number. So then from say eight months to 18 or 16 maybe, before they get a you know job doing something, um, you mm -hmm. don't, that social security number is basically in your office somewhere 
you just have it on your tax returns and that's the only time you ever use it because I mean, how often does an eight-year-old need their social security number? So, you know, years and years and years go by and all of a sudden they might have a decrepit, horrible credit history or, or because they somebody's been utilizing their number for all those years. Mm-hmm. Is that how and the, uh, the thing is too, yeah, and how this information is getting out there is through these data breaches that are happening every single day. We're hearing about data breaches, data breaches, and we've become numb to them. Every time there's a data breach, we should all be freaking out, but we just hear it every day. We're like, oh, there's another one. I mean, like that Equifax data breach, it was 148 million people, all of their most sensitive information all right out there. Social security number, driver's license number, credit history, you name it, it was all out there. And uh, that was really a bad, bad one. Yeah, I, I, I'm one of those people that gets numb to it because when I hear it, I just think, oh boy, um, that's scary. And what do you do? And is there any repercussions? So what happens when that happens? I mean, does Equifax or what did they do? Have they justified it or have they corrected the issue or all of these um, credit card numbers and social security numbers just flying all over the place for people to buy on the dark web, as you call it? Yeah, well, once the cat's out of the bag, you can't put the cat back in the bag. But what you can do, so what they had to do was offer credit monitoring to everybody who had been affected. Uh, But the problem with that, too, is that a lot of people don't realize that they need to go sign up for it. They don't really pay attention. They don't even know that they're a victim. You know, they're off busy running their lives. And um, so that's that's the unfortunate part. And if you do get the credit monitoring, sometimes it's only for two years and then you have to do something afterwards. And the identity thieves know that. So they'll hold on to this big batch of information, wait two years and then go and, you know, start selling it. So, um, yeah, that's a big thing. Data breach. And even like when kids get a little bit older and they start going to school or they start going to camps and they're using outdated forms and they're asking for the social security number. I mean, you even see it sometimes when you go to the doctor's office now where they'll ask you for your social security number. And you're like, really? I don't want to give this to you, but there you go. You write it down. And um, that's the unfortunate part is that we, we start this social security number at such a young age that, right? As soon as they're little, we got to get the tax credit. So we go and get that social security number where up in Canada, they don't get it until I think it's their senior year in high school when they start working or something like that, which that makes so much more sense. But it's because they don't get the tax break that, that uh, we get down here. So that's, we, we create our own little problem right out of the gate. <laughs> Well, and you would know because you have seven children. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seven <laughs> children home with the, the corona time period. I know, everybody. We were just laughing about that earlier because uh, we we both know all of you parents out there, particularly single moms and moms that work from home and or normally don't work from home, but now you are working from home and not only are you trying to simultaneously homeschool and make three meals a day for um, however many children as well as yourself and your spouse and of course keep the house up with laundry and other household tasks and bail paying how incredibly stressful that can be and how it's affecting everybody um, how have you been uh, running your business from home and how has that affected you being home more well, yeah, because I'm never, I'm never home. Um, <clears throat> well, I'm also a very routine-oriented person, so I had to create a little office. This is my little office, and I, you know, start here in the morning, and then I get through, and I have, I can log right into my desktop, so it's like I'm sitting at my office. So that's been very, very helpful. So I can communicate with everything and all my emails and all my files and everything that's there. So that's been very good. But it's very different being home with all of these 
these kiddos, I got to tell you, that's definitely. And then trying to keep them all corralled, you know, with the social distancing. So we have some that follow the rules very well. We have some that maybe need a little assistance with instructions on following the rules. So we're working on that. Mm -hmm. Do you uh, have but, your older, I don't know what that is. Do you have your older kids sneaking out? How are they behaving? Yes, they, some of the older, older ones. ones. Are the older ones behaving better or the younger ones behaving better? Or is it pick and choose? The younger ones. Yeah. The younger ones are behaving better. Mm -hmm. Because yep. the old ones yep. don't think that they need to follow the rules because they're adults now. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? Yep. Give us some advice. What is your advice on this? Well, I think this ties into a lot of issues that people have with second, second marriages, right? Your kids, his kids, now there are kids, right? And they grew, they grew up differently with different sets of rules. And sometimes people are on the same page. And sometimes you have one that's more strict and one that's not so strict. And you know, I guess this is a perfect example of a time when you need to be on the same page with, you know, what are the rules going to be? Especially when you have so many people in the house, there's got to be specific rules. Everyone's got to clean up after themselves. You know, it sounds basic, but you know, otherwise it all gets dumped on us and that's that's not fair you know the laundry and the dishes and the this and the that they're all old enough they're all capable enough they should be helping and, and they do help for most of the part it's just the corralling them sometimes right and they feel that their life has been disrupted too so they of course get a little um i don't know belligerent or resentful that their freedoms are suddenly vanished yeah. and all that so I'm mm -hmm. sure, but so what's the positive side of having you all be together? Well, I, one of the funny things that we did, so now we're starting a theme night. So tonight is they have to dress up like my husband. So that'd be interesting. They're all going to dress up like him and they're all going to act like him during dinner. And then it's good. They're going to rotate around that every Thursday is, is going to be, you know, somebody else that we do this for in the family. So that's kind of fun. That's hysterical. Whose idea was that? Was that your idea? No, it was one of the kids. We were having dinner the other night. They were talking about these theme nights that they're seeing, I think, on Instagram or on TikTok or whatever. And some people were wearing prom gowns. and Some people were dressing up really fancy and, you know, whatever. But so they just, we just thought that was kind of funny. That's hysterical. Anything to entertain them, right? Anything. Mm -hmm. So just re let's uh, digress a bit and go back to the beginning of your story. Um, how did you ever find the interest to be an identity theft expert? How does one, it's, I mean, you weren't just suddenly in like senior in high school and said, I'm going to go to college and become an identity theft expert, or did you? No, 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 no. So I basically um, grew up with my family. We have a Ford dealership. And so I've ran that for the last 20 years. And um, then back in about 2015, I wanted to open an insurance agency so we could offer insurance to our clients. So. I did that. And uh, then in about 2017, I started becoming interested in identity theft. My brother was actually applying for um, a health savings account and he got declined. And there, he was like, why am I getting declined? Nobody would tell him, nobody would tell him. So he had to keep digging and digging and digging. And then he finally got through to somebody after trying a million people. And if he found out his name was on the terrorist watch list. So somebody had stolen his identity. So he had to you know, get, start digging into all this stuff. So that's when I became interested in it. And I said, I would like to find a product that we can offer our clients. So I started looking and looking and looking and I couldn't find any products out there that were B2B so that I could then offer it to our customers. Everything was direct to consumer. 
So met up with a software company from California. We came up with a platform, put the product together. And then we, after we had the product, so someone can go on and buy it, regular person can go on and buy the product. Um, then we created a platform where financial advisors or insurance agents or anybody who has a big pool of clients that they want to offer identity theft to, we made a very non-technical, simple platform that they have a co-branded website and they can send their clients to that. So, but I think when I started looking into it, in 2017, I really, really became very interested. I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe that this stuff was happening. And the more and more that you read about it, the more and more you really realize like this is a real, real reality. And I think a lot of people, if you ask them, you know, do you think your house is gonna catch on fire or you're gonna be a victim of a cyber crime? They would absolutely still say that they think their house is gonna catch on fire. And that is not the case. So that's what I started with the educational start of it, side of it, and I have fun with it. So, you know, when you have fun with something and you're passionate about it, it kind of just, Keeps going. Oh, it's evident, Dana. I mean, really, everybody, you must look look at her um, LinkedIn profile. Um, it's fabulous. I'll have the link in the show notes, no doubt. Um, who are the identity thieves? Who are they? Oh, there's a variety of them. It could be, you know, a neighborhood kid that can hack into things. It could be a big organization. Um, it could be some somebody, somebody who's a, a black hat hacker who can go down to the dark web and steal some information and, um, you know, go open up a whole bunch of, of credit cards. Uh, it's it's a wide variety. It's it's from everybody, like I said, the kid all the way up to nation states. You know, you have like the Sony operation, what was North Korea hacked into them and. Um, you know, Iran and China, there's a lot of, lot of bad stuff happening. Russia, you know, with them trying to get into some of our, they probably focus on the bigger operations like the government, some of the big companies, but it is, it is definitely happening. Wow. So um, if these, I don't know, criminals, is that what we're going to call them? Yeah, yeah. Is, there, is there a more politically correct term? Well, you know, I used to start, I used to call them hackers, but there's a lot of white hat hackers are good hackers. Like they help companies try to like yeah. find holes and all that. So they were telling me that they were taking offense to that. So I felt terrible. So then I did a video on the three different color hackers and I said, I'm sorry. So they, cyber criminals is what they prefer <laughs> to okay. be called. All right, cyber criminals. So we've kind of determined who they are, why it happens, who it most happens to with seniors and kids. And I can relate a little bit to the senior issue. My mom had her wallet stolen and um, it, and she was a victim of it for about two or three years. She chronically got all these letters about things that this woman was buying and I took over her identity and she did end up having to prosecute and um, nothing, you know, horrible came out of it other than, you know, losing a little bit of money, but it was, and this was a good 25 years ago. So that was my introduction to it. So I personally have an experience, but through my mom, I, I know that it's real and I, I've seen it. So it's always been on my radar and now even more so with us being so much more connected online and being more web um, alert and more web centric, if that's a word, I don't know, I guess I just made it up, but um, so, but I want to shift a little bit to this fascination that I have. I don't know about the rest of you, because I know we can dabble in the, the topics that really matter about knowing your finances, being alert, understanding where everything is, putting freezes or uh, checks in place so that you can, in fact, protect your identity and protect your finances with a service like Dana has or uh, many other ones that you can do on your own too. But what is this dark web and what is it and why is it and how is it? And like, I'm fascinated. What is it? 
It is. It is fascinating. It, it's like I do a video on it. And I say it's like a haunted house. I mean, even when I was researching it, I was afraid. I mean, I certainly would never go visit the dark web. But even when I was researching it, I was afraid of what I was clicking on and everything. But basically, it's a layer of the internet that you need to have a browser that you can get to that that doesn't track what you're doing. Like um, it doesn't track your IP address. It doesn't track your location. It doesn't track any anything like that. So everything is anonymous. That's happening down there. So people are selling things to people that they don't know, and people don't know who they're buying things from. And you can find everything and anything you could possibly imagine down there, from a grenade launcher to some body parts, uh, Netflix password. You don't want to pay the twelve bucks. You only want to pay a dollar. You can go down to the dark web and sign up for ISIS. Uh, there's all kinds of crazy things that are going on down there, and I'm sure even more than we could ever imagine. And it's not regulated and we can't do anything about it. Nope. So scary. Nope. I'm sure it? the government's down there trying to watch, you know, do what they can do. That I, I don't really know, you know, about that aspect of things. But I just know that there's, there's a way where people who want to sell whatever they want to sell and people who want to buy whatever they want to buy, that's where they can go. So would this include like human trafficking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's, scary. yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. And... Has it been around as long as the internet has been around too, or is this a newer phenomenon? No, it's been around for quite some time. Yeah, I don't know if it's been around since the very beginning of the internet, but it's definitely been, been around for the last you know, 20, 25 years. So scary. So everybody, if there's one message that you take from this podcast, it's get your ass protected and, and stay off the damn internet. So apparently if there's no cookies and no history and you're up to no good shit, then you know, I don't really know what to say, but all of you um, people that I love and want to really um, educate, you got to really protect yourself. This is no joke, right? That's for sure. And I also just want to mention right now because of the coronavirus that's going on that we need to make sure that people spread the word that with these checks that the government is sending out, they're not going to be calling you and asking for your checking account information because they need to deposit the money. So especially with the with your, your parents, tell tell all the elders because, you know, they, they love to answer the phone and talk to people. So, you know, somebody calls up, they say they're calling from the government and we're going to deposit the money. We just need your checking account number. They go, oh, okay, hold on one second and start giving away all this information. So. Oh. That's, That's not going to so scary, Dana. That's terrifying because I could totally see people doing that. Like, you're going to give me money, and it's the government, and obviously they know yeah. that this whole, you know, trillion, bazillion, dazillion, if that's the word, act has passed. So, oh my God, I'm going to get my thousand dollars or my two thousand dollars or whatever, and sure, my number is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and put it in bank of whatever. And thank you so much. Have a good day. And Oh dear God, that's an amazing. And they can even spoof the phone number so that it looks like it's coming from, um, let's say, the IRS or some kind of government agency. So you look at the caller ID and you say, "Well, it's got to be legit. Look at what it says on the on the thing." And that's not that's not what it is. So they're they're pretty savvy. So we we have to just tell tell everybody because I, I'm surprised that the government is not saying that more when they're talking about the checks that. Listen, no one's going to call you. You know, if, if you file electronically, it's going to be deposited that way. If not, we'll mail you a check. Because um, we really need to get the word out there. And I wish there were more people that were talking about that. Well, thank you for bringing it up. Amazing. Well, I hope this has been enlightening and everybody must follow you. And I'm just thrilled that I know you. I feel that um, I've learned a tremendous amount about the business. And just kind of <laughs> lastly, you know, this, this platform that you created, the B2B, where it's business to business. Um, and the, biz the business to consumer model. Do you offer both services or just to businesses? 
No, we offer both. The product is is a consumer-based product. So if you wanted to buy a plan, you go to identron.com and look at the plans. And if a financial advisor, let's just say, he wants to offer it to his clients, he can offer it as well. So he has his own little portal that he can send his clients to. And um, it's the same same product, though. And most of your, besides individuals that want to have this identity theft protection, um, financial security, if it's um, a B2B, who who mostly would have, you said financial advisors or would it be mortgage brokers or realtors or mm-hmm. can you give me a pla- an idea of the, the range of clients that you have that could offer that service? Because I would assume that would be very beneficial beneficial for them to offer that to their, their clients directly. Yeah, I, I mean, all those people you just rattled off and estate planning attorneys should be offering it. We have a lot of the Medicare um, insurance agents, you know, they're dealing with the older people. So this is a good, this is a good topic to start talking to them about and then to offer it to them. So it's really anybody who has employers could do it if they wanted to offer it to their, their employees and maybe chip in a little bit. So it's anybody that has a pool of, of clients or employees or anybody that they want to offer the product to. Awesome. And tell us how people can find you and what your um, LinkedIn, um, you know, identification name is. Some are business, some are personal. So share away. How can people find you, follow you, like you, comment, and just chuckle along and learn with you? <laughs> uh, well, on LinkedIn, it's just my name. So just Dana Mantilla, you'll find me. I know I should start posting more of the business page, but this just kind of, like I said, just took on a life of its own. I got to get more savvy with how to do that. But so yeah, so that's under my name. And then we're on Facebook too. That's Identity Protection Planning. You can find us there. Um, working on the YouTube, that's got a page. It's not too pretty looking, but it's it's there. So that's it. It's a process. Mm-hmm. I yeah. know. Well, thank you, Dana. I'm honored. You are, I consider you an expert in your field and someone that I'm honored to know. I can't thank you enough. And everybody, uh, you know, I always say to keep thriving in the chaos, but you really need to just sit, find some stillness and thrive because things are just getting a little bit wacky, but I want you to also keep things simple. Um, I'm also honored that tomorrow night I was asked to be a special presenter at the Healthy Living Magazine uh, special event that's happening 6.30 to 8.30 on Friday night on Zoom. You can find it on my social. I'll be speaking at 7.30. And um, my topic is about really being able to heal and separate the um, adversity from the drama and uh, that we're going through. So I'm going to be going through the 10 steps that you'll need to release and detox some um, adversities and traumas in your life, because this really has been a traumatic event for so many people and we're still going through it. You know, it's not over yet. And I don't even know what the new normal is going to be, but whatever it is, everybody just sit tight, sit still, do your research stay calm, reach out, have community, listen in. It should be a fascinating um, expose. There's four of us professionals coming in to give you uh, some really great tips. And thanks for listening. And I'll see you soon. The new Thriving in Chaos Project is launching tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in and make sure if you want to talk to us or ask us questions, you can always email us at thrivinginchaospodcast at gmail.com. 
See you next week.